Our scripture reading this morning is Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. That can be found on page 226 of your pew Bibles. We are obviously reading this text in light of what we've witnessed today as we ordain officers. We turn to a text where there was a passing of a baton, where there was a change of leadership in Israel's history. Before we read this text, let's ask for God's blessing. Lord God, your mercies know no limitation. And we see this, this mercy in opening your word and in having it placed before us. And we pray that we would see your mercy here in your word and through what you provide. We ask, Lord, that this would be pleasing in your sight, rightly interpreted, rightly proclaimed, and rightly applied and taken into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ascends the reading of God's word. People of God, listen to a few quotes from what the world has to say on leadership. A leader is one who sees more than others see, who sees farther than others see, and who sees before others see. A leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to be. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. And last, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. I wonder, as you hear these verses, do they inspire you to be a leader? Do they make you think, yes, I'm going to do those things. I want to be a leader like that. This is what I'm going to do. Or I wonder, especially with the 
the officers just ordained with the officers who are already serving, does this actually bring a bit of fear, a bit of concern? How am I to be a leader like that? How am I to fulfill this role? You see, this is the way you might feel, especially as you are given that mantle to to lead God's people. And even for the congregation here, all these words that follow instruction to officers are taken by us as well, that we are to heed, that we are to obey. And we then ask ourselves, how are we to live like that? How are we to follow How do we live in such a way that we would be a potential office bearer? How do we live in such a way to fulfill an office that we currently hold? How do we have strength, is the question. We see first, leading the people of God, where leadership comes from, what leading the people of God actually means. In almost any walk of life, it's difficult for a community to move on after the loss of a great influential figure or leader. This is across the board. History is full of great kings or emperors who did amazing feats, who conquered the world, who established large kingdoms only to see it passed on to sons who weren't quite at the same level as they were, and so the kingdom split up or was lost. Sport franchises have this. When they lose their great leader or great player, they generally go through a time of rebuilding. That's what we kind of expect. We might even think of this on the the local level, even on the church level, after the loss of a significant leader, after the loss of of a pastor or an elder or deacon who has served and have done well, we think to ourselves, well, now we're going to go through a time of, of difficulty or trial. And you might have that even as we think of the broader church, the broader church which seems to to lose influential figures, influential pastors and theologians and leaders and think, how will we press on as God's people? How will we endure? Well, that's what we see in this text. No doubt Israel was thinking something similar, facing a similar place and time as they are at this key moment in their life, as they are are on the doorstep of conquest and war and the promised land, and their leader has been taken away. Moses is taken away. And it wasn't as if Moses had had been nearing the end of his life and had been falling short. Deuteronomy 34, 7 says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Can you imagine that? And we think of Moses as this teetering prophet. His, his vigor was, was unabated. His eyes were undimmed. It's not as if he had lost his ability to lead. Moses was an icon to them. This is the generation that had gone through the wilderness wandering. This is a young generation. The older generation had passed away for their sins. This is a generation who who Moses was far older than, who had been their leader their whole life. This was a generation who was faithful. They were going to go into the land. They weren't turning from the Lord. But Moses, their leader's gone. Now what? That's how it begins. After the death of Moses, this is what it says. The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now what? That's what you'd ask. Now what? Now, would it, you would expect, now have ten years to sort of get your feet wet 
Have some time to establish yourself as the new figure and leader of the people. No. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. This is the passing of the baton. This is a commission to a general, the general of the army. Go fight. Go fight. And it would appear that Israel had lost its greatest weapon, its greatest leader. What do they do? Joshua is actually meant to be an encouraging book, and it is. Yes, we see that there are failures for the people, but it's encouraging because we see in the courses of the Lord's plan and his timing that the people of God are not actually thwarted by the loss of these men. It's not like emperors who died and lose their their empire. It's not like a sports franchise who loses its team leader and goes through a rebuilding time. The church is not affected in that way. Why? Because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with his people. The Lord is the ruler. The strength is his, it wasn't Moses. The power and might, the direction, the guidance is his, it wasn't Moses. And the Lord is promising it will be with you, Joshua. Arise and go. And just imagine this weight placed on Moses' assistant, Joshua, here. It's not a surprise. He had been in a public spotlight. He had been prepared by the Lord. You know, the Lord doesn't, Lord doesn't just throw men at things without sufficiently giving to them what they stand in need of. But could anything really prepare you to this weight to be placed on you to, to lead these thousands of your countrymen to go and conquer, but the Lord is with them? That's why we look at this text on a Sunday when we ordain office bearers. As the people of God, we have just witnessed new officers in the army of God. We have witnessed this new role and this new leadership. Not that it's, it's 100% corresponding, clearly, to, to what's going on in Joshua, but that there's an undercurrent of promise here. There's an undercurrent of the way in which the Lord leads that applies just as much now as it did then. And just as much to the men now and to us as a congregation and to you as individuals now as it did to Joshua. The Lord is with his people. You see, they stood at a very similar time to which we stand. They foreshadowed the time we're in now. They are the Exodus people. They are taking the kingdom of God. They're conquering the promised land. They're seeking to enter their rest. And that is the church, the church militant Just as it happened then, it's mirrored now for us. And so we look back to that time. We look back to that transition period and we see what they did to learn from it. Not only to gain strength and to learn their mistakes, to learn what they did right. And yes, here to learn about office bearing, about leadership, and about where our strength lies. Where does our courage lie? Men who are just ordained or those serving, where does your courage lie? The reason I, I interjected in that form, reading of that form, and to lay that weight was, was in, in the, with this in mind. 
That we should, in that sense, feel this weight and, and know there is no way we can do this. There is no way we can bear this. Where does courage lie for us and for all of us? The conquest of the promised land foreshadowed what would happen now. How do we know that? Hebrews 4, 8-11 through 11 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What is this text saying? This text is comparing the days of Joshua to our days. And they had gone after a a partial rest to receive that promised land. And we are at the time going after the true and final rest. It's that comparison. We are truly trying to reach that final rest. So we have to appropriately apply these words, not necessarily thinking we are all Joshua's. It's not the, necessarily the way to go through it. We, we see the way God works and guides, and what we see is this. God's people are the army, and in its conquest, God comforts and provides his people and their leaders with what they need to enter the rest. We are the army of the Lord, and God's people, God provides his people and the leaders of his people with what they need to enter the rest. Brothers, Sisters, this is difficult. It's hard. No war is easy. Taking up this mantle requires strength and courage. God didn't say that lightly, right? He didn't just say to Joshua, Go enter the promised land. It's pretty easy. It'll be fine. No. He said, Be strong and courageous. You're going to need it. It's going to take it. It's going to take strength and courage to stand on the promises of God. It's going to take strength and courage for leaders to lead and for the people to follow. Be strong and courageous. As office bearers, you were placed at the head of God's army. How's that for for fear, right? Placed at the head of God's army? You know, officers, you have the, that picture of old military lines. Well, who, who's the ones at the front? The officers. Who, who's the ones running around and giving direction and guidance and orders? It's the officers. An army is only so strong as, as its leaders. And that lays a tremendous burden on you, but it also gives us a tremendous hope when we know that our, our true leader is God himself, is, is the Son of God. And you are under shepherds. You are not the shepherd, just as Joshua wasn't the shepherd. But he came as close to representing that, him and and Moses, as the Old Testament really could provide, a, a single figure to lead the people. But even he was told to follow, follow me, follow the Lord. The church doesn't have an earthly Moses or Joshua as a single head, but we have the same chain of command. It's an unbroken chain of command that has happened since then, and I'm not talking about some Roman Catholic papal passing on this chain of command. I mean that God has always raised up leaders for his people, prophets and priests and kings, 
And he's used them, and he's used them despite their weaknesses. He's used even their weaknesses. He's used their gifts and their strengths, and he accomplishes always his purpose. And so, and that's not to throw qualifications out, right? We, we bring to office those who are qualified for it. But you come as those who are not perfect, certainly, as you well know. But have comfort that even in your own brokenness, even in the ways that you see that you are ill-equipped, that you can't stand there, God uses even that. And that actually shows you, 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 you have certainly one qualification for leadership, that's humility. And you certainly should have humility, as we all should. Again, I remind the congregation, though, much of this is directed to officers. This is directed to all of us. Because officers are the representatives of the people, and what they are called to do, and in special ways, certain ways that as congregants, they're, they're, they're not called to, there's one fundamental call, and that is to follow your leaders in this way. And so, though you may not be in the position of leadership, you may not be making the decisions, you may not be doing those things, you're still called to represent your leaders. You're still called to imitate and mimic them. You're still called to listen to God's word and follow it. And these promises are still yours as well. And so that's why this is still addressed to all of us, to all those here. Be strong and courageous, but especially to Leaders, You need to pray for your leaders. Hebrews 13.7 Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You see there, there's that aspect of that imitation I'm, I'm talking about, that we are called to follow them, that leaders should be those who are representing well how to follow the Lord. So mimic them. That's what Hebrews 13.7 is saying. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Your leaders watch over your souls. Pray for them, submit to them, follow them, imitate them. This is the great weight that they bear. This is what it means in the leadership of God's people. But then we see, in our second point, the presence of God. The presence of God and how this impacts how we follow the Lord and where we gain our strength and our comfort, the ability to do this duty. How do we, as God's people, take on an army? You know, that's the other thing that, don't forget, Joshua was called to go and take this land. Remember that 40 years earlier they sent spies into this land and the report of the spies, excluding Joshua and Caleb, was one of great fear. It was not a glowing report of what they could accomplish. There's giants in the land. Fortified cities. The report of the spies said that we are grasshoppers before them. How's that as an army to inspire courage? They had determined then, 40 years ago, we cannot conquer. And this was them fresh out of Egypt. Fresh out of Moses, or more accurately, the Lord through him, destroying Egypt and its army. And they get to the land, and the spies go in, and they say, no, no chance. 
And, and we, again, are that church now looking at a land. And what do we see in this world out there? You see a roaring lion and a devil roaming around. You see his demons and his minions. And this is a spiritual war. And they're everywhere. And you see, as the book of Revelation images it, a great dragon. This is who the church is going to face. And, and you stand and you see this land before you. And God is saying, take that. Go accomplish the, tr- the kingdom of God. Go spread it. Go fight them. How, how do we do that? First, it's because God has given the land. First, it's because God has given the land. The world is God's to give, and he's given it to Jesus and his people. Verse 2 says that this land is what the Lord is giving to the people. All that was promised to them. This is a gift from the Lord, and that changes everything, just as it changes it for us. The kingdom that we, as the church, go out to conquer is one the Lord's given to us. It's ours already. It is that gift. Now, you you say, but wait a second, if it's a gift already, then why do we need to do anything? And I've heard it illustrated well. This is like a Christmas gift. A Christmas gift that's under the tree, and your name is on it. It's written there. It's placed under the tree. It's yours for the taking. And yet it's not yours in possession until you've unwrapped it and taken it on the day when you open the gift. You see, there's still a requirement of service. There's still a requirement to take what God gives and unwrap it, open it. And that's what the church is called to do now. But you see, the gift is given. God doesn't give us something we can't take. Just as he didn't give to the people of Israel a land they wouldn't be able to conquer The enemies, as daunting as they seem, are nothing to the Lord. And so his people can go out, his officers can lead the charge knowing that. It's not in your strength, but you're going to take possession of the gift God has given you. We are still called to wage the war, and we have confidence to do so. And and that's the other thing. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's let's not follow and go into this war with a whimper. Let's go into this war with, a, with a, a strong battle cry, undaunted by the enemies before us because of the strength of our true leader and the strength of his might as he is promising, I am with you, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. So first, God's given the land. Second, how do we go into the world and conquer? Because God goes with us. Because God goes with us. It says in the text, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord is with his people. He will not depart. He's with us every step of the way. He doesn't send us into the land to conquer without coming with us at every stride and with every step. He's there. Joshua takes the same God and the same promises, the same power that has already succeeded against Egypt to succeed against conquering the promised land. And we, in an unbroken history, take the same God who has conquered them, who has conquered every nation, who is conquering the world right now. He is with us. He's with you. Now you can take and ask this, well, well, this was said to Joshua. This wasn't said to me. I'm, I'm just an elder. I'm just a deacon. I'm just a congregant. I'm nothing. 
This was said to Joshua, right? Well, Hebrews, 15, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 quotes from Joshua 1 here and applies it to the church, applies it to everyone. It says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. What strength to gain from the the presence of the Lord with us. He goes with us, his people. And it shows that it's still valid to us just as much as it was a promise to Joshua and all the people then. It was a promise to us and it's still that promise that we hold to now. We also see this as well, that this comes in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1, 20 and 22, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and he has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee to seal to you that the Spirit is with you. The same Lord will never leave you and never forsake you. So that's the second reason. Third, how does the church of God conquer the world with courage and strength? Third, because God has promised it. So we've seen he's given it. We see that he comes with us. And we see that he's promised it. What does he say? The text says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. This is a promise long in the making. Hundreds of years. The Lord swore it. It will happen. It did. It's happening again. The church goes out. The church is spreading the kingdom of God. The kingdom has no limitation. The kingdom will conquer because God swore it. He's promised it to you. You are heirs of the kingdom itself. Through Jesus Christ, it's yours. God's word never fails. God's promises, the swearing that he makes always is fulfilled. So be strong and courageous. Do you think you are ill-equipped and worried? Elders, again, for all of us, what do you think when you have these questions, I don't know what to do or say with this? That question comes into your minds all the time. I don't know how to handle that. How do you go into that room and confront someone of their sin? I have to go tell this person they're in error. I have to to go tell them that they're wrong and they're sinful and that their eternal life is in jeopardy. How do you go and do that? How do you go into that house of mourning and even know what to do or say? How do you have the strength to bear the burdens and lead by example? When it comes right down to it, you don't have that strength, right? (laughs) And that's okay. Because God does. It isn't that you feel strong and capable. You don't always feel that way. Most of the time you don't. Congregants, this is the same questions to you, same application. How do you do the same in your callings? 
Well, you don't have that strength. And, and that's not what God says. Joshua, you've got a lot of strength. Go do it. It's all on me, is what the Lord says. It's all in my strength. We look for the strength in him. You see, you will not succeed because you're gifted. So it actually doesn't matter if you feel that I just can't do this. Because you, again, and we're not throwing qualifications away, but at the truth of it, you will not succeed because of your gifts. You will succeed if you are faithful to Christ. If you trust him. It's true of all God's people. Success isn't in you. It's in clinging to the Lord. And you will accomplish great things through that. We see that in this text, that you will even, as it says here, you will know great success. Ultimately, Israel did conquer. Joshua won. Ultimately, the church wins. And there's triumph. You will know great success when you trust in the Lord. Fourth, how does the church of God conquer the world? Be rooted in God's word. Be rooted in in God's word. We see that faith strengthens us, right? We've seen that Joshua, in Joshua's example, the Lord has already pointed him to have faith, to have trust. This is key to hold to the promises of the Lord. But now he adds something else to further bolster, to further propel Joshua and the people, and it's an exhortation. It's an exhortation to obey, to follow, and to be strong. That's what verse 7 and following says. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then notice here, this is being rooted in God's word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How do you, in, in, con, con, how do you conquer, Joshua? And the Lord doesn't say, it's the strength of your army, and it's the chariots, and it's the weapons I'm going to provide for you. No, what the Lord says is, go into this war with a Bible, and you will win. Follow and conquer, being rooted in my word, meditating on it daily, going as far as it says to go, being filled with it and its wisdom, and you will know strength, and you will know courage. Be rooted in God's word. Canaan was a divine gift, yes, but they would need to receive it with, they would not receive it without effort on their part. Their concurrence was required. They needed to follow the Lord's commands, and he would, he would enable them to do so. He would carry that out, but they had to obey. It doesn't remove the exhortation from us as God's people. We need to follow. Go into battle. Follow God's people and you'd be victorious. Now, what's interesting here is that this wouldn't happen all at once. Back in Exodus 23, 29 to 30, God had told the people of Israel this, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Little by little. As much as we might want God to just go and conquer, just wipe the slate clean, just, just take them all out of there. No. 
little by little. One commentator says, well, by driving out the Canaanites from before them little by little, Israel was kept in a state of constant dependence before the Lord to wean them from self-reliance and teach them to lean more and more upon himself. And that's what we have as well. God doesn't just make it easy. He doesn't just take all the enemies away. It happens little by little, step by step, day by day. He's with us all throughout those days. It will require years of perseverance and years of effort. But this is what we're called to. And the courage that Joshua needs isn't just for him to to sort of manufacture enough strength and go into battle and triumph. No, it's to be rooted in the word. And, And this is important. Again, elders, this is important for you and deacons as well, but especially to elders. As you enter your office here, you need to be sure that you are rooted and grounded in God's word and, and, and that alone. Even with good intent, with good intent, you could lead into error if you, if you jump away from God's word. There can be good reasons behind folly, but it may still lead to folly. Your advice, your counsel, your prayers, whatever they may be, need to be grounded in the Word of God. They need to find their source there. You need to be in the Scriptures. You need to be filled with them. That you don't lead astray. That you are leading well. That you not only have the right intent, but you have the right strength in the Word of God. And in this, you'll be strong and courageous. The source of our strength and courage is in the Word of God, is in Him Himself. That's how you proceed. That's how you will find great success as God's people, as officers in it. I close with a reference, a text from Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There's that dragon, there's that roaring lion, and he's out there. But the armor of God makes us stand against him and his army. Christ is with us. Joshua leads the people. You know the name Joshua in Greek is Jesus? There's our strength because at the the truest interpretation of this text, our Joshua, our leader, is Jesus. He's already defeated the devil, and all that remains is the final establishment of his kingdom. Follow your Lord and Savior, Jesus saves. That's, That's what his name means, Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are the victor. And we bring to you an audacious prayer, an audacious prayer because we speak of the future with confidence and we speak of the future knowing what already lies there. You win. And you win in and through us. Weak though we are, Unworthy though we are, unable though we are to have strength and courage, you provide it. Lord, 
Give to us all great encouragement. May we trust in you. May we see that you give to us promises. May we stand in your word. And may you give a special, special grace to your officers, not only in this church, but in the church of the globe, the universal Catholic church. Help them to stand and to stand well on the promises of the Lord, to stand in your word. And may you lead us to victory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.